0: Welcome to Suburban Warrior, the podcast that will impact, inspire and empower you to transform your mindset and become the badass warrior that you are. I'm your host and fellow warrior, Chrissy Piper, former clinician and corporate marketing exec, turned multi-passionate entrepreneur, performance and life coach, and mom to four not-so-little warriors. Each week I will bring you honest conversations with inspiring guests to share their stories of resilience, Optimism, success, and simple yet effective strategies so that you transform your thoughts and change your behavior to get the results you want in your life. You will be empowered to take action, warrior up, and believe in you. Let's do this. What's up, warriors? Welcome back to another episode of the Suburban Warrior Podcast. I'm really excited about today's guest. We are going to have some fun. On today's episode, I have Nikita Ren-Sigpen, who broke barriers and glass ceilings nearly 10 years ago when she architected her professional skill set as a psychotherapist, trauma specialist, sexology, and relationship expert. Now regarded as the number one balance and relationship advisor in the world, Nikita has become the go-to for fast scaling married women entrepreneurs and power couples seeking to balance love and success without dimming or apologizing for their spirited ambition. As creator of the Joy Map Method, international best selling author of the book Selfish, transformative empowerment speaker, and CEO of Fig Pro Balance and Relationship Management Institute, Nikita and her team set out every day to inspire, equip, and empower their client partners to amplify intimacy 360 degrees across all key relationships so they can create joy and achieve whole success. Committed just as much to breaking barriers as she is to fully living the life she teaches others, Nikita's creating safe spaces for crucial conversations as the leading podcast host, wife, mother, minister, and G-Bunny, also known as grandmother. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Nikita.
1: Oh, Chrissy! Thank you for having me. I am really excited to be here with you.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I am really excited too. First of all, I have to say I cannot believe you're a grandmother because you you look you do not look like you're old enough to be a grandmother. But I love that they call you G Bunny. I think I might have to put that one in my back pocket for later. It's so cute.
1: Oh, thank you. It's you know good skin, good skin. <laughs> oh, I know. I, well,
0: there you go. I love it. That's your secret. Well, I'm really thrilled about having you on the podcast because I know you have so much expertise to share um, with my listeners today, and you do so much. But I want to zero in on a lot of the, um, the relationships, the sexology, all of that kind of expertise that you have. So why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, no, I've, I welcome the opportunity. So nowadays, and we just hit, you know, at the time of this recording, we are literally days away from our official 10-year anniversary of our company, the Pro Balance and Relationship Management Institute, which is a global personal development company for power couples striving to live fully. Uh, so I'm really excited. I feel like I'm an adult in business now that we're-
0: <laughs> Congratulations, that's old. very exciting.
1: <laughs> Thank you. We're no longer babies in the business. Uh, prior to all of this and a lot of the tools from my my past life, past professional life, if you will, I still use today inside our business is I am all the things that you just met, mentioned so well statedly when you uh, kind of described who I am. I'm still a licensed clinical social worker to the day I die. I pay too much in blood, sweat and tears to let that license fizzle out. <laughs> uh, so I make sure that I stay more than on top of all those things that matter to me when it comes to mental health, wellness um, and well-being. You know, innately from people navigating their inner child trauma that's still driving the narrative of their adult relationships, their adult career decisions, their adult. Uh, challenges and how they maneuver and perceive the world, a lot of that work I still do, I just don't do it in a, a traditional way of therapy. A lot of our clients still say it's entrepreneurial therapy because they feel like once they get into the the nuances and nitty gritty of the power couple work that we're doing, you do have to go deep. You know, you do have to be in a space where you can surrender to to yourself and get a look at how you've been living, how you've been showing up, and how it's no longer serving you. So a lot of the work that I do with both the couples and the women who work, you know, on themselves independently through our Unbound Brilliance Lab, which is our, you know, kind of whole success incubator for them to do their own personal development work. A lot of the ways that we do that is we're really going deeper into some of those trauma stories, the micro traumas that they might've had, seeing how they've shaped a lot of the ways they've interpreted the world and how that's kept them from growing in the ways that they have wanted to, whether it's with their forever lover, as I call your spouse, or in your key relationships with your sister friends and your sister cousins and your your platonic male partners and, and even your colleagues in business. A lot of those unhealed challenges, issues, scripts, and stories that were created from trauma are still driving those decisions today in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. So a lot of the work that we're doing is very clinical in the aspect of how you would kind of see a traditional therapist, you know, pull you on a couch. But I'm using infusing coaching techniques into it so I can really help you grow forward and not just survive the trauma and the circumstances of that and how it kind of helped kept you frozen but so you can literally thrive in your life and your love and in your business.
0: Oh, I love that. And I I think that's so important because I think that, you know, as we grow as human beings, sometimes we really do throughout the course of our life have to stop and think about you know, the things that happened to us. Um, and maybe like you said, they might be not, not a huge trauma, but may, maybe many traumas or circumstances mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that helped to really mold our lives or maybe something that happened that created a, a perception of how we view things in the world now that might be inaccurate because it was yeah. just based on something that we experienced. So I, I love that you do that. That's really amazing work. And you do work with a lot of couples. Is that correct? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Our power couples, we we love everyone that we work with, you know, hashtag caveat for that. (laughs) But our power couples are definitely our favorite because my personal mission and you and I, Chrissy, were talking about this off off air, so to speak, is to build stronger families. I want to give the world what I didn't have growing up. I was raised with very dysfunctional family members and I went through every layer of trauma you can think of, from sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, you name it. I uh, had to navigate through it in some way, literally from the time I was born all the way up into my early teens until I moved out on my own at a very young age. Um, and with all of that, there was inner resilience that I had to tap into, but there was also opening myself up to the possibility that there were people out there in the world that didn't want to hurt me, including my lover who happened to be my high school boyfriend, who is now my husband, because I kept uh-huh. him, you know, almost 30 years <laughs> later, we kept him wow, around, that's amazing. <laughs> but, you know, but a lot of, thank you. A lot of that baggage that I had from those unhealed wounds could, absolutely and would have ruined my relationship had I not been willing to do the work. So with our power couples, we're really looking at like, yes, you have great portfolios. Uh, Usually at least one of them is an entrepreneur when they work with us. You know, it's possible that both of them are, but usually at least one is. They're navigating growth pains of growing their business. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, your mind is a, you know, a creative, hole like a black hole of all kinds of magical ideas that come and if you're married to someone who's not an entrepreneur or an entrepreneurial thinker they don't necessarily get you and that rejection can feel like a trigger that reminds you of your your traumas whether they were micro traumas or not and can make you feel like you're not heard and not seen and not appreciated and it creates this unsafe space for you that may be what you created based on your interpretation of where they are when they really just didn't understand you. So a lot of the work that we're doing is helping each each of the couples hear one another without dimming who they really are inside.
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's such the key, right? Still keeping who you are innately. And you know, as you're talking about that and talking about like making space. How do you make space for what it is that something maybe that you really want in your life, but you feel that you're at capacity? Maybe you're at capacity with your relationship, with, with mm-hmm. work, with everything that you're balancing in this world. Like, how do you still find space for what it is that you want?
1: Yeah, that's a good distinguish uh, distinguishment uh, between making and finding, right? Like we, we definitely don't find most of what we want. We do make room for it. And you can't do that if you're still people pleasing everyone, mm. if you're still overcompensating because you feel guilt or shame for things that you weren't able to do because of whatever your reason is. You know, growing up for me, I was very focused. I'm a nerd and I unapologetically <laughs> embrace that. Uh, you know, education was an escape for me. So, you know, in the books, in the degrees in the certifi- certifications I go, like I have so many degrees and certifications that I don't even put in my bios and resumes. Cause you would be like, what? Like, I don't even know how to introduce you. Right. Um, but for me, a, a,
0: <laughs> the whole a podcast that, would be an introduction, <laughs> like,
1: like a whole podcast. Like yeah, literally. Yeah. And it was It was my process. It was partially an escape for me to just, you know, stay hidden in education and research and knowledge and and learning because it also allowed me to not deal with myself, right? Like I could, there's people who are out here who had four and five jobs. I used to be one of those people too. And not all of it is because of their lifestyle that they just want to have certain things and they want to make all this money. A lot of the busyness that people do is so they don't have to be bothered with dealing with the problem. That are taking up all the space, that are creating these calcified, chaotic barriers within themselves. They're like, nope, I don't have time for that. I'm just going to get another job. I'm going to take on another project. I'm going to yeah. sit on another board, right? <laughs> you know, totally. they'll, they'll do that so they don't have to deal with themselves.
0: Yeah, no, I think that is so true. I, you know, it's the, always the that whole like conundrum of, um, oh, I'm quote unquote too busy, yeah uh, you know, and we're, we're so busy. We, and But when we start to really look at our day, it's like, what are we busy doing?
1: Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes
0: we've just try to find things to fill time and we're not necessarily doing something that is going to nurture us or help us grow um, as human beings. It's just busy work because sometimes in the stillness is when, you know, sometimes those negative emotions can, can come mm-hmm. up, which is you know, whether it's grief or sadness or anger or, you know, dealing with the trauma from the past. I mean, you name it, but yeah. it's in that stillness. Um, and I think that you made such a great point about, you know, making room versus finding it mm-hmm. and, and, you know, dealing with any kind of guilt or shame and really owning our schedules and owning what we want to do and not feeling we have to do things out of obligation or because we feel guilty if we don't, you know, show up or something. So yeah. I think that's a really... Awesome distinction for sure, yeah.
1: and also not waiting to be sick to have space, right? You know yes, yes, and, you know, we'll work our fingers to the bone, you know, literally and figuratively. and then our body says, Mm-mm, that's it, you're shut down. So now, that you're, you know, knocked out with the flu or stuck in a hospital bed, needing, you know, an IV in your arm for hydration, the world gives you a pass. Like, oh, you know, Nikita's not feeling well. Woo, that's in the hospital. That's messed up. But as soon as she's out of the hospital, you're like, okay, so you come into this meeting, you come to right. the birthday party, right? You know, <laughs> oh my God, I it's so report. true.
0: I mean, how many moms were,
1: I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've
0: heard moms say like, oh gosh, I kind of want to just, like, I mean, literally, like, sickness is like a break, and it's not, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be. It's terrible. It's terrible, right. especially, uh, you know, now with everything that we're dealing with, with COVID, and mm. now we know we we need to keep our immune system strong, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, so you deal with a lot of couples, obviously, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's like a, that's a whole different scenario than when you're yeah. dealing with just women. Yeah. So, you know, what are some ways that you talk to the, you know, your clients um, that are couples about to deepen the connection, you know, with each other and to boost yeah. intimacy?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the men and the women think a little bit differently. Um, you'd be surprised because men typically view the physical intimacy as a stress reliever where typically, right? Yeah. Yep. No exceptions. And the women typically view sex as a necessity to keep the the fires warm, right? Like this is just something I have to do. Sex is not juicy for me unless I'm emotionally fulfilled. When they are emotionally fulfilled, then it's, listen, you can be my medicine all day, honey, because... You have made me so excited on the inside of my mind, my heart, my body, my spirit. We can swing from chandeliers. But if we're we're not doing that, then sex sometimes for many of the women feels like, you know, getting the oil changed in your car every three to six months. It's just something that has to be done to make sure that the car is working so you don't have bigger issues on the back end. But it's not something they necessarily look forward to. So a lot of the times when couples come to me, they'll present as, you know what, we want to have more sex, we want to have more fun. But underneath of it, there's a lack of an emotional connection. There's a lack of communication. Sometimes there's challenges in one particular area of communication. Like, you know, they'll talk about the kids, if they happen to have kids or pets, they'll they'll handle the business of the house, if you will. Those challenges, the mortgage gets paid, you know, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes time to, you know, hey, is your favorite color still blue? You know, when we met 15 years ago, you seemed to wear a lot of blue. (laughs) Actually, you know, that's not even my, you know, you don't really know the person anymore because you got so comfortable just navigating the business issues that really make you feel like productive roommates than it does as lovers. So often once we get past like what they think they want, Versus what they need, we're able to do the deeper work. And that usually only takes a couple of sessions, to be honest. Um, and with my couples, I split them because they are two individual people. So we do the couple work, and then we also do the individual work. So we can see with those early scripts from their childhood, not necessarily just the trauma, but the the scripts themselves, the way that they had to view the view the world because you know their mom, their dad, their grandma, their older sister. You know, someone told them that this is how you do things, this is what you don't do, and how that showed up in their marriage and is presenting as a conflict um, in how they relate to one one another. So we do do separate work as well so they can have their own space. And this is how I help them keep their identities and become unapologetic about it. Once we clear up what is unhealthy and unserving versus what has just been the way, and I'm putting that in air quotes, the way things have been done. And they think it needs to continue that way, even though it's not allowing them to be happy, fulfilled, successful people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that makes total sense. And, you know, I think I I have heard that before, and I, I think it's just sort of the difference between the sexes. And again, this is a generalization, but like, you know, what, so what, because women, you know, view sexes a little bit more emotional and whereas with men, it's really more physical. What is something that you suggest to your couples to sort of help sort of bridge that gap?
1: Oh yeah. Play, play is major for me. So there's 12 types of intimacy, you know, the physical and the, the sexual, you know, physical or sexual, depending on how you, you phrase it. And the emotional are the two that most people think of, but there's recreational intimacy where you can relate and experiences of fun and play together that helps you boost your emotional intimacy. So I, I'm a giver, and I tap into that. So I give my couples a huge old box, bigger than four children being able to, to roll up and be pushed in that box together, full of games. Some are, you know, kind of basic games that you would think of like Jenga and, you know, chess or checkers or uh, what I think it's called Mandala, the little wooden, you know, counting game, brain teasers. Yes. There's all kinds of games in there, adult coloring, you know, you name it, it's in there. But they're not just a box of games like here, go play. Every game has a purpose and usually multiple reasons for how and why they can use the game. So something like Jenga, we make Jenga dirty. We make, you you will never want to play Jenga with your family again after you play Jenga the way that I'm going to teach you to play Jenga with your lover, right? (laughs) I
0: love it. That is awesome.
1: (laughs) We literally make it a kind of an infusion of strip tease, poker meets Jenga meets, you know, God, please let me. No one come into this room and ever see what things that I'm going to do to him or her because it's about to go down. Like we really make Jenga fun. And then we also use things like adult coloring as a way for you to have that stillness and just, you know, sit with yourself and vibe out a little bit for your own independent processing. We throw bubbles in, in there as a communication tool. So if you feel like you're not being heard, let's say it's your husband isn't hearing you, you're not, and I don't mean like a, a drop-down knockout type argument. It, but you yeah. feel things on the rise you feel like you're getting frustrated you know you're about to go into that space of this mofo playing with me I'm not going to talk to his behind for about a week before you get there <laughs> we encourage you go grab the bubbles and you blow the bubbles on his chest or his neck never in the face because face is aggressive Blow them the chest and the neck and of of course, there's going to be a little bit of awkward slash silliness that comes for it. He's going to pause because you just disrupted the pattern of whatever that negative energy was that was forming, and he's like, "What are you doing? I'm blowing the bubbles because you're not hearing me. I want you to pay attention, right? Like now, there's an opportunity to engage and communicate without there being a crisis. Because there's also something called crisis intimacy." where a lot of couples have closeness and cup co- and coping with problems and pain, and they do it really well. That's when they seem to come together. You know, if somebody's picking on their kids. They are on it. Somebody's bothering, you know, my brother-in-law, I am on it. Right. Like all of a sudden we're in it together when there's a crisis yeah. or even a conflict with, a, which is another form of, of intimacy, another type of intimacy, conflict intimacy, they work really well there. But if there's not problem, they see they're like not talking, they have no idea what's going on in each other's head or world. So we want our couples to be able to have the sexual intimacy, you know, taking showers together, rubbing each other, seeing each other's bodies, because most of us haven't seen our spouse's body since the first two years when we were having sex anywhere and everywhere. And then we just fell into everything is dark dark rooms and under the covers, the emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, creative intimacy, like we want you to have all of it. So it really is 360 degrees of loving and knowing each other. So you are in the deepest connection and no one can break that bond, not even your old baggage.
0: Wow. That is awesome. I love that. I love the 360 degrees of intimacy. And I think that, you know, anyone who's been married for like, you know, like you said, over a year or two, Mm -hmm. you know, once you have kids, a house, Mm -hmm. you know, once there's life, things get in the way. And, and so I think it's important to make that time and to have fun. And I love the way that you, you talked about it with the games and the bubbles, because you know, listen, life is meant to be joyful, and life is yes. meant to be happy. and we're we're meant to be joyful in our relationships. And it shouldn't just be about work and kids and 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 the business of life all the time. It still exactly. has to be about having fun. So I love how you describe that. And I know you also talk about expired expectations mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like why you need to to sort of switch that up. But I want to hear you talk more about that because again, I, I think, in life we you know we have there's expectations all around right expectations for who we're supposed to be who ha- who our spouse is supposed to be, who our kids are supposed to be. And I would love to hear you know, your take on that expired expectations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's one of my favorite um, conversations to be quite honest, Chrissy, because it comes back to balance and just the word in and of itself. Some people reject it because they don't believe in work-life balance. It's work-life harmony. It's work-life integration, you name it. Uh, if I was falling off my chair right now or off the mat because I'm at the standing desk today in full transparency. If I fell over. I don't feel out of alignment or out of harmony. I feel off balance. And often that's how we feel when we're not admitting what we really want. So my definition of work-life balance is admitting the truth of what you truly want and need out of your future self, like out of your life where you're going and your purpose over the boundaries that you create to achieve that truth. So if you say that you're a mogul in the making, I'm I'm just kind of making up something random, but if that's what you say, like, I'm a mogul, I'm gonna be a billionaire, a secret philanthropist, an angel investor, like, these are the things I wanna do. Then we have to look at those boundaries and make sure that they are expansive enough to allow you to achieve that reality, as well as keep distractions out and away from you that would pull you back. One of those boundary areas that we have to look at that, and there's five key boundary areas, One of them is your expectations, not only the expectations that other people have had of you that you've probably been fighting against or with or feeling in in full emotional conflict with because you were doing it, doing what they expected you to do, becoming the lawyer. Your parents said you had to be, or, you know, a certain professional type, even though you really wanted to like design shoes or something, right? Like, but you, you did that anyway, or even your own private expectations of, you know, by 22, I'm going to have the picket fence and the corner house and whatever it is. (laughs) And maybe it took you till 28. And even though you finally got it at 28 or 38 or whenever you achieved some element of what was on your expectation, hashtag to-do list, because I know all of you listening have those to-do lists, even if you achieve some of that at some point, you're still not fulfilled because you're pissed at yourself for not doing it by your timeline. Oh, I was supposed to do it by 22 and it took me an extra five, six or, or 20 years instead of celebrating that this was something you you got done at, in the first place. And also acknowledging, did you just do it because you said you would do it because your younger self said that this was important? Or did you really do it because you still want it? So looking like that's where we look at the expire expectations, especially those private ones, because many of us are walking around penalizing ourselves for the 1.0 version of what we said we would do. The 1.0 version of Nikita said she was going to be a pediatrician and a psychologist all at the same damn time. (laughs) You know, maybe that's (laughs) not what the 2.0 version realized, well, you know, that's good, but not, I'm not interested. I don't like organic chemistry. So therefore I don't want to be a pediatrician, right? (laughs) Right. That would be necessary for me to do. Um, And, but being honest with that and not, penalizing and shaming and guilting ourselves by saying, oh, well, I'm not as good. I'm not as worthy. I'm not as amazing because I didn't do what my 1.0 version of myself said I should do, or even the 2.0 version because- You know, between me, you and the listeners who are listening, you are a hundred X exponential of yourself. You just haven't gotten there yet. But everything that you're supposed to be, you can become if you're willing to receive the opportunities to get there. And that means releasing some of those expectations that don't fit anymore. That's how you make room. We have to break those boxes that we put ourselves in. It's not just thinking outside of the lines or coloring outside of the lines, whatever people say nowadays. You gotta break those lines, break the boxes, don't fit in them, understand that labels are here to help you communicate with each other so you can kind of understand differences, but they should not create boxes for yourself and you shouldn't use those labels to create boxes for yourself because that keeps you from living the truth that allows you to be in balance, period.
0: Oh, I love that. That is so good. Um, and so much great advice in there because you know I I, I agree with you, and I think that you know expectations can can be dangerous sometimes, yeah. right? I mean, they can be dangerous. You know, not only for us, but because I look back and I look at some of the choices that I made in life, and I look at people I know and some of the choices that they made, and sometimes those choices are made based on expectations that other people had, you know, f- for me, like, I know it's like I, I made choices based on the expectations my parents had. Uh-huh. And, and I, I think about like, hmm, how would I have made different decisions if I was allowed to sort of, you know, freely choose without expectation. And I think about that a lot now as a mom of older kids who are yeah. in college and going to college and and high school, I I try to really not hold expectations because I you know they have to navigate that for themselves, yeah. and I think giving them that space to be able to do that is huge because it's amazing really how how quickly you can put your expectations on someone else even just by the words that you use the tone that you use it, it, I just. I don't know. I'm I'm very careful of that myself because I do think, obviously, expectations can be great, but they can be harmful as well.
1: Right. Absolutely. And we do do have to be super mindful of how we're hurting ourselves. Because we hurt ourselves more than most people. Like we're, you know, we're walking around, you know, COVID 19 life, right? In this world that we're in, so afraid that someone else will give us something, so afraid that we might catch something. What about what you're giving yourself, not being kind to yourself, holding yourself down for not achieving? How about? achieving and not celebrating those achievements, but automatically looking at the next problem that's arriving. I had someone uh, recently, she's not a client. She's just kind of, you know, connected to the circles and she's achieved some amazing things. She just bought three new properties and was a, because part of her uh, mission and goal is to have safe housing for for people, three new multifamily housing developments. And I was like, this is amazing. This is awesome. She was like, yeah, but and I got to worry about the electric, electric permit for this. Kind of, like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Before we get into all the permit problems of the land in the area, you just bought three multifamily properties at the same time. And I believe each one can fulfill four families apiece. That's 12 families that are going to be in a much better position than they were before they met you at a very, very low cost. That is incredible. And immediately as I like paused her and had this moment, tears streamed through her eyes because she hadn't even allowed herself to have it. And it wasn't because I did anything other than acknowledge which she wasn't willing to because a lot of us ambitious women, and I'm one of them too, we are so quick to get on to the next problem. Even if we acknowledge it as a good problem, we just move from problem to problem, emergency to emergency, crisis to crisis. And we're real good at fixing, right? Like, so, you know, creating those solutions. But we don't necessarily slow down and appreciate the good things we've had. And our bodies feel it. Now we feel run down. And we're like, we, Our portfolios have grown and our bodies are shrinking our souls are tightening. That is not okay.
0: No, that is not okay. And I think, I love that you shared that story, because I think that we do need to celebrate our successes. And even the mini wins, like the little daily solo, like, I mean, the daily wins that we need to celebrate, because there's just, there's so much joy in life to celebrate. And we need to find that and, and just sort of shift our perspective to finding the joy instead of just identifying p- the problems all the time.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, I have a formula, if you allow me, Chrissy, for creating your joy. Yes, I love that. Of course, um, please share. I would love to share. So we talked about the formula for balance, which is the admitting the truth of what you want and need over the boundaries that you create to achieve that truth and keep distractions out. That is still a part that, you know, balance is the kind of the first step, if you will, like high 50,000 foot view. The formula for joy to create your joy is balance plus healthy relationships times intimacy squared.
0: Okay. So you need to say that one more time so people can, <laughs> re- can really digest
1: that. Okay. So create your joy is balance. Yes. Plus healthy relationships. Okay. Times intimacy squared. Okay. Explain. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, you know, we, we just went over the formula for balance. So, that yeah. still holds strong. So, once you know what you want to do or have an idea of where you want to grow, even if you don't know all the steps to how, but you have an idea of what you want, you know, hey, I'm going to be a mogul, philanthropist, you know, whatever that kind of higher level goal is, then we create those boundaries. And those five areas of boundaries are looking at your expectations, your faith, your perspective your personal habits, and your energy management, which I'll back up to in a minute. But that's like the five permission zones of your boundaries that you have to look at. When you have that together... Now we move forward to looking at our key relationships. So this is in addition to your forever love, who is your spouse, right? This is in addition to him or her. So most of us have at least two to three good people that we would invite to the hospital should we need someone to visit us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. so when I when I look at those healthy relationships, I'm like, who are you okay with seeing you naked? <laughs> like those relationships is where we start first, um, and I mean a. Emotionally naked, as well as potentially physically naked. If you should be indisposed, like say, you know, vulnerable on a hospital bed and you don't really have too much control over that, you know, looking at those relationships in terms of, you know, where are you showing up for them? Are they giving to you or are you giving to them or are neither one of you giving, but you've only had time you can say, oh, I've known Chrissy for 18 years. Okay. Do you know Chrissy or have you known her for 18 years? Because me knowing you since 2000 and whatever 18 years ago would be versus me knowing what's going on with your life, the names of your kids, what schools they're in, you know, the last, you know, major surgery you had, you know, me knowing you is really different than, you know, looking back at the history of our relationship and say, oh, I've known her for 12, 15, 18 years. It's not the same thing. Like, does she really, is she the person that would show up for you at 3 a.m. in the morning? I call you my 3 a.m. people if I'm really looking at you from you know, the status of my Corey, which is my circle of reciprocal influences, those are the people that I can call on at the drop of a dime because they can call on me at the drop of a dime. And neither of us in any of those relationship directions are abusing that Opportunity to be able to pick up the phone, so to speak, and get access to that person. We value each other enough to be okay with only speaking to each other a few times a quarter and not feeling slighted. We also acknowledge that we're all booked and busy and productive, right, in our lives. We don't take it any type of way, but we're also aware when reciprocity hasn't been provided. If I'm always calling you and you answer, and sure, you'll talk to me, but you never call me, that's a problem, right? Um, So really looking looking at the intimacy that you create with those healthy platonic relationships matters and just looking at ways to to show up for them fully. So we kind of dive into all of that. And then the intimacy squared is really first the intimacy with yourself. With some of the stuff we were talking about earlier, that first eye for intimacy squared is like, how are you being kind to yourself? Are you aware of the challenges that you have? the emotions that have been holding you bound and anchored, the shame, the guilt, unhealed trauma, whatever that is that's going on for you. Are you aware of it? And are you doing the work? And if you can say yes to that, we can square it by looking at the other elements of intimacy for those other 12 types. Um, So it gets a little deep and layered, but the high level is balance plus healthy relationships times intimacy squared.
0: Wow. That is just such amazing information. And I was listening and, and trying to take notes the whole time, and I, I hope that people that are that are listening to this, whether they're walking and you know, or or sitting down, because there's just a lot of great information there. And I think what I really love too is just you know, I think when we think about intimacy, we don't really think about intimacy with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, that is really such an important part is really knowing ourselves and stopping to. Uh, understand what it is we want, what's right for us, and having some intimacy with ourselves before we can really share it with other people, our spouses, uh, friends, family—you know, the world. Um, it, the key is really to to know thyself.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and looking at those people closest to you, like the one of the things that vexes me. Uh, you know, not quite as much as bullies and liars, but close um, because that vexes me a lot uh, is when people are showing up for their clients and on, you know, even podcasts and on stages back when the world would allow you to you know be physically in person with someone and they are powerful and then they step off of stage or proverbial stage. And they're just not nice people. They're not kind. They're not loving. And part of it is because they don't love themselves the way that they should. And you already know that their family can't wait for them to leave and go do that podcast or go to that show, <laughs> right? Like they want them to go to work because they're not creating that intimacy with them at home. And that's hypocrisy. And I, I'm just not okay with it on any, on, like personally, for my personal values, it doesn't jive with me at all.
0: Yeah, well, I'm right there with you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree. I I I can't even that is like one of my biggest pet peeves because what you see is what you get. And mm-hmm. um, you know what? You just have to sort of own who you are and and put goodness out there into the world. And I know what that is a hundred percent what it is that you're doing. I just love Everything that you've talked about today, I mean, it's chock full of great information. Thank I'm going to have to go back and listen to this episode several times to really take it all in. Um, so I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing all of your expertise and you know, everything that you're doing to empower couples, empower women, and really make people the best possible human beings they can be.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. And I feel like I've done my job that you actually wanted to take notes. I feel good about that. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Absolutely. A hundred (laughs) percent for sure. Well, listen, there's obviously, there's so many ways to connect with you on social. So we will have that all linked in the show notes. And your website is figpro.com. again that will be linked in the show notes along with your instagram and facebook and twitter and all of the wonderful things to find you because you're you're quite an amazing human being
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And I honor you so much. I'm so grateful for this space. Please make sure that you do not get that podcast fatigue that so many of us hosts get and you stop showing up because this space is needed. Chrissy, you Aww. are doing an amazing job and I'm glad to be a pod sister with you.
0: Aww, thank you so much. I am glad as well. So guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really are excited to have you listening to this amazing podcast this week. And you can find me on Warrior on Instagram. And like I said, you'll be able to find Akita on many social outlets, which are linked in the show notes. So be sure to check her out. And I'll see you next week with another amazing warrior story to share with you. Talk to you guys next time.